Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust. Member FDIC. It's time for Rolling with Nolan on Drive Time Sports with Coach Nolan Richardson. Brought to you by Slim Chickens. There's lots of places to get chicken, but there's only one Slim's. Serving Central Arkansas and now in Cabot. Good afternoon, Coach. Good afternoon. Well, it's another great day for a basketball game, and when you're not winning, you sure want to keep playing, and that's what Arkansas gets to do tonight. And uh, you've been in situations like this before. What do you think Coach Musselman's telling his team to get them ready to try and win their first road game? They basically, that, that I, all the players know where, where they stand. And it's not. I don't. I don't really think that you have to say anything to the fact that it's going to all of a sudden pop a switch and they're going to be ready to play. This has been going on since they've lost the last ball game. That that what they need to do and how they need to do it. And so it becomes more of a mind game for, as opposed to uh, executing the offense. It's making sure that you got all on the, got everybody on the same page and you're trying to get, you're trying to get something accomplished. Losing, losing is not a good feeling. And of course, winning is a great feeling. Mm-hmm. And so they need to get that feeling again. Coach, how difficult is it to find the right chemistry I know that Coach Musselman has tried some different combinations. He's trying to deal, obviously, with the loss of Smith and Brazil, and we're not sure that that uh, Nick Smith Jr. will be back this year, maybe by the 1st of February. That remains to be seen. But how difficult is it to find that right combination or, or to find the, the right chemistry? It's very difficult. I, I think, uh, you know, unless you get some – some players with high basketball IQ, high basketball IQ. You know, it, sometimes it's not so difficult simply because everybody around the country run the same offense. I, I never seen so many teams <laughs> run the same offense. You I'm are saying. right. So, so if, if I played in Oklahoma, I can go to Kansas and <laughs> I, nothing's changed. Uh, so. Uh, that should probably get you ready a little bit better. But at the same time, it's very difficult to get guys to play together. And that I think that's more important, not what they run, but how to play together. And, and to me, that's most, the biggest challenge is, is to putting the team together and playing together. And when you, when you do that, I, I think the chances are better. Even though they've lost uh, a couple of three games, doesn't mean that's the end of the world. It means that hopefully someone will step up, and the other ones will follow suit, and next thing you know, you're rocking and rolling again. Why do you think so many teams are running the same offense and the same? And, and we see so much man-to-man defense. It's like nobody wants to play zone for some reason. A few teams do, but that, that, why, why do you think also. it's the same? Why, why do you think that's, it's so that's same? That's true. Also, uh, you know. Uh, of course, I'm, I'm not one of those coaches in the box that I have to do everything everybody else will do. Right. Uh, matter of fact, I want it to be different, totally different. I, I thought the reason we were sometimes successful is because they had to play in an orthodox basketball team, you know, you know trapping in the middle of the floor. Who has ever heard anything like that? I mean, you know, we, we did some things that 
the basketball gods would frown upon. And I and I think it's enjoyable that you don't know what I'm going to run. I ran zone, uh, and I played for a man that was strictly man to man, and he, that guy played for a man that was strictly man to man. That's so, right. Uh, you know, I, I knew the, the, all the principles, but trying to win is is what's more important to me than having them to play my style. My style was trying to win. That's a bit different. You know, so if you have to play one three one, you play it. I played under a man that told us if we played any kind of zone, we're admitting that we can't guard anyone. <laughs> I disagreed with that. And that, that makes sense that the way they believe in their philosophy. You know, if you if you if you went out there in a two three zone, oh those guys can't play defense. And I and I saw two three zone make make it awfully difficult and awfully tough. Uh, Behind is a, you know, he's been running the thing yeah. for 150 years. I think that's how long he's been up there, coach. Yeah, he hadn't changed a bit. So, so you know, you, you you try to get your team. To me, I would say that I try to get them into a position that they are more successful. Our bread and butter was baby man. Our bread and butter could also have been a one-one-three, uh, whatever. Whatever the guys played the best, that's what I tried to get into. Imitation is, it's said, imitation is the highest form of flattery. After you won the national championship, there were uh, there were other coaches that kind of took on, tried to do what you were doing. Rick Pitino, one of them, never gave you credit yeah. for it, but he was one of them. And but now you don't see that so much anymore. Is there anybody playing a style that is anywhere closely resembling what you did? And if not, why do you think not? Well, you know, the, the thing about it is, Rick, when, when you're in the coaching position, it's very difficult, very, very difficult for a guy to let let the rope go as they do in the Cowboys or, or in a racehorse when you say, you know, you either turn him loose, unleash him, turn him loose and let him run and let him run. They lose control. When a coach mm. feels he can no longer have control, then – that's when that's when you know he's not he's not willing to do the things that I would probably want to do. It's it's a, it's a, I, I like control riot type basketball. Riot means I want to create a riot, but I want to have control of that riot. If, if I got control of it, I'm okay. And most coaches are afraid that they would would not have control. So, so some coaches call out almost every time a guy gets ready to take a shot. Don't shoot that one. Go to that. <laughs> run two. Run four. And I'm, you know, yeah, I'm saying, cattle body. If I get them past one, I'd be in good shape. So, so uh, it, it to me, it's a fear of losing control. Which, which brings me to the point. This is I, I, even as you were saying that, I was thinking, how many games you coached sitting down. You'd get up and make your points, but you mostly sat down. Now every coach is standing the whole game and almost out of the coaching box every time it goes to the other end. Why do you think they're doing that? It's a, it's amazing. It's amazing. You know, I used to try to copy John Wooten. John, cool. this, a coach used to sit down and roll up this little paper across yep, his yep. legs and said, okay, fellas, go play. <laughs> We've already been to practice, so take your practice to the game so I can sit here. Roll up my program, hell, and enjoy it. <laughs> and, 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 and Rick and you and you and uh, Rain, 
the reason I never stood up is, as, as a high school coach, I got up one day and I was all ducked and down the floor. I didn't best before anybody did any of that. And and I asked one of the kids, I said, did you see that? Did you see that? To one of the players, he said, no. I said, well, you're not watching the game. He said, but you're standing in my way. <laughs> <laughs> I knew then. I said, hell, I'm going to sit my butt down. So I won't stand in this kid's way. I can't be, I can't be explaining something to him that he can't see. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's, that's pretty funny because I, I, I look at that. These guys are putting on a show, board up and down the sideline, falling, diving. I say, God, you know what happened to the to the Dean Smith of basketball? Uh, you know, or night is toughest night is. You know, when he stood up, that was some trouble on the cable. I felt that's when you stand. You, you know, when you stand, that means something wrong, and you you got to get to the bottom of it, whether it's call or a player but if i'm up all the time they never know what i'm upset it's okay he he likes that all the time (laughs) this is it's a fact we're going to try to get another gear here while he's standing well you know i I had the privilege of doing radio for much of your uh time even while i was in sports information and i can say that you rarely if ever blocked our view and now uh and then i did it for several years later and there were coaches that did block our view but you watch, if you're watching the games, you can see where Chuck Barrett and Matt Zimmerman sit. They're right by the Arkansas bench. And I, you don't you wonder how many times they get blocked by Musselman or somebody else standing in front of them. It, it, it's amazing. And you're, you're trying to describe what's going on, and all of a sudden you can't see it. Can't see it, no. But that's, that's the style of the guys that do this day and age. That's why I say everybody does the same thing. <laughs> and my fear is that because maybe a coach won a championship and he was standing all the time. Well, let's try that. <laughs> you know, yeah. and everybody, you know, it's it's amazing. I think Judd Heathcote, me and him, was on a speaking engagement, and, and, and he had a team that was pretty good. They won a national championship. They had yeah. Magic Johnson. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, they, and they ran that matchup. And the guy in the audience said to them, why aren't you guys – running the matchup and, and just said we do we just don't have Kelter. we just don't have magic we just don't he kept on saying we just he named his starting five three of them was in the nba <laughs> i got some guys now that they, they can't play like them guys <laughs> and so that's why we uh, that's why we're three and nine at at, at, at at the end of 12 games well if you don't have the kind of players to run something that has won something, I mean, go ahead and put it in, but you better try to fit your players to what you do, what they do well. That's how I've always tried to do it. I mean, of course, like I said, I'm, I'm a little bit out of the box. Coach, you were the master at the unexpected, and what I mean by that is uh, I don't know if you went by your gut instinct, if – if what you may have witnessed in practice uh, leading up to that game, but you were the master at shaking up your lineups. Uh, right. What, I mean, what what was kind of the motivating factor, if you can remember, why you had so many different combinations, so many different lineups? Maybe Corey Beck and Corliss were the only ones, that, and Scotty, 
that only started maybe every game. Other than that, there was a lot of shifting and moving around. Well, you know, yeah, I'm glad you asked that question because I used to question myself that. <laughs> Rose, Rose at home, she would ask me the same type of questions. He didn't. You, you know, how do you play a guy like uh, in the national championship game you haven't played? And I said, well, Cam Bailey. If, yeah, if if I brought him here and I talked him into coming to play basketball for me, I expected him to play. I did. I don't. I don't recruit practice players. I don't. I don't need practice players. I need guys that can. They're going to go out and perform it, whether it's one minute, two minutes, or three. So when I was growing up and coming through the high school ranks, I, I played my kids. I just we weren't very good, but they played. And I and I noticed that when I scrimmaged more, they understood the game more. So I got into the fact that most of my practices were full court, and that way, you it's in, in football it, it's reps, reps, reps. Well, the same things in basketball. The more reps they got from a playing situation, the better they became. And so, if if you could play, uh, some of the coaches were as I gave clinics would. Why do you get your first team all the time and put them on the floor against your second team? I said, what I find out about that is that my second team improved. My first team didn't. They weren't as good as the first team. So they didn't improve, whereas the guys who needed the improvement was getting most of the improvement. But I needed my first team to also improve. So I start mixing them. The best player, if I got the best two players, they never practiced with the same jersey on because he needed the competition. You need competition constantly. And so, you know, those are the kind of things that I I, I worked on. And, you know, again, it's, it's very hard for me to describe. And, of course, you got instinct that tells you that this, this group plays pretty good together or this person makes everybody else better. You know, you, I, I, I was the master of knowing who made our teams better. That was easy for me to do. I watched them every day in practice. That's why I don't make any kind of uh, give anyone advice if I haven't been there practice day in and day out, day in and day out. I know what they're doing. They may show up in a game and not look nothing like what I saw in practice. But, but I, I, I kind of have a feeling that I, I will know most about everybody by the way we worked out and how hard you worked out. And that's where you can play everybody. Well, think about it. I don't know that the average fan ever thinks about this, but what do you practice? About five or ten times more than you play? There's a whole lot more to practice than there is to the games. So. Yep. It does seem you're going to learn more about your team on a daily basis than just when the lights are turned on. Well, you know, coaching in Texas is another thing because back in the day, the kids in Texas couldn't go to AAU, go play teams in the summer because it's a football state. And, mm. and, and all the all the athletic directors were football coaches. And so when the basketball team was over there, they'd lock up the basketball because most of your basketball players are your best athletes. <laughs> but uh, you know, so uh, I'm I'm looking at a kid come down, and he's he's from Memphis, and he's a freshman, and his freshman team has played forty or fifty times 
And then uh, and where I'm coaching at, you can't get more than 15 games in your freshman year. That's what was the rule. Mm. I said, well, that, that that kid that got 60 games in, can you imagine he got 60 games to my kids 15, they're both freshmen? Who's going to be the if, – if, if all talent is equal, who's going to be the best? The guy who got more reps in. Yeah. See? And so I, that's what I based my – my practices were based on the more I work out of what I'm doing all the time, the closer I can get to what I want. Uh, that may not make sense, but that's how I thought. All right, Coach, we got a question for you from Matt. Matt, good afternoon. You got a question or comment for Coach Richardson? Yes, sir. It's an honor to speak to you, Coach. Uh, some of my best memories growing up or watching your teams with my dad, and I'll always uh, remember that. So, wanted to thank you good for that. Man. Hey, I, I remember a game, and I, I forgot what year it was or who we were playing, but we were receiving the ball in the second half. And you set up your players on the wrong end of the court on purpose. <laughs> and then you were decoying the other team into following your players, and they did exactly that. And so our guys just threw it in, and we had a layup at the other end uncontested. I want to know if you remember that. And, and <laughs> yeah. what, we were beating them, so I always wondered why you did that, because, because it's – it uh, it just showed that we were superior mentally, physically, and I just want to know if you remember that game and your comment uh, on it. I I do I do. Thank you, Matt. Uh, and thank you, Matt. Uh, well, you know, we were doing so. You know, when you when you talk to players and uh, about uh, guarding people, I, I've got a, a beautiful picture of McDaniel guarding one of the players. And I, and I had told him, I don't even want him. I don't want him to even see the ball. <laughs> if you guard him, he pick it up. You keep making easy pass. And, you know, a lot of times, guys, they do a great job defensively, and then they stop guarding. So he, they get a picture of him covering this guy's eyes up with his hands spread all over his face. Well, that was the same thing we had done with this play that, you know, I just everybody on the opposite end of the floor. And – Guys that come out of timeout, they they even got their butts chewed out by the coach, and they, they and they're angry, and the players are angry, and everybody is so disappointed, and we're we're having good fun, and so we go down, and they follow you, and not not realizing probably what we're really getting ready to do, and and that's why that happened. It was a point that I could, was trying to point out is that. You play with your eyes. You know, a lot of guys don't don't understand that that you play with your eyes. You catch the ball with your eyes. You know, you know the ultimate is your hands get involved. But everything you do, you, you don't. If you can't see it, you can't you can't do anything. It's it's kind of like the coach who's standing in front of his players. You can't see nothing. You can't. <laughs> you're passing the ball, and you can't. And you got your hand in, in his face, and he can't see. He can't do anything. So that, that that's what that was all about. Proving a point. Funny. Wow. All right. This from our Asher Record Service Company live feed and feedback. Savage says, ask Coach Nolan, what would he say to a freshman that is having a rough season? 
Well, you know, you, you, those kind of guys you keep an eye on, is particularly if they're really good players and they're having that kind of a year. Usually you have a bad year, your sophomore year. They call it sophomore-itis. Uh, uh, but as a freshman, you know, you, you're constantly, you know, you, you don't want to jump on him very much because he is, he is coming out of high school and he was the best player apparently at his high school because he's in the college and he's as a freshman. So you kind of, you kind of, uh, not so rough on on, on I wasn't on, on a freshman that I thought had some totes some potential, and then try to get him in as much game time you can possibly give him. Uh, and I think as time goes on, you know he he will start feeling that he he's capable of playing because he's probably done it in practice. Coach, hold on. we got to take a break. That is Coach Nolan Richardson. Thanks again to Slim Chickens. Rick Schaefer, I'm Randy Rainwater. Drive Time Sports will continue in a moment. Okay, welcome back to Drive Time Sports. And uh, we got Nolan Richardson with us. We want to talk about the... Yvonne Richardson Foundation, which is uh, his charity that, uh, in memory of Yvonne, they've been helping people in Arkansas for years. And if you would like to contribute to that, we had a caller last week that asked us to give the address. We'll try and give that at least once every every show. We can give it twice if you need us to. It is uh, Yvonne Richardson Foundation, 4057 North Humount, H-U-G-H-M-O-U-N-T Road, Fayetteville, Arkansas, 72704. And uh, the buzz has been very good about uh, promoting charities at times. Uh, I know we've got a day or two during the year when people are asked to, to give. And it's just one of those things, if you just like to give to something that's really good and you appreciate Nolan being on the program, that'd be a good thing to do. We will tell you that our sponsor for Nolan Richardson, Slim Chickens, the money that they normally would pay the person uh, for a talent fee they give that to the Yvonne Richardson Foundation, so we're grateful to you for that. That said, Coach, we had a question last night, and <laughs> and so get ready for this one. Your fa- your biggest fan is a guy named Stan. Stan is insisting on they build a statue to you outside the arena, which they definitely should, but he is he claims that no coach will ever win the national championship at Arkansas except you. He said you're the only one that was ever <laughs> capable of it. So he asked me, I, I just want you to know, this is Stan's question. Stan asked me to ask you this, okay? He said, okay. what would it take from the athletic department to hire you back to be the Arkansas coach again? What would it take? Yes. <laughs> no, man, I've I, been there, done that. Tell <laughs> <laughs> Stan as much as I love how he feels. I've been there, and I've done that, and and, and that I'll leave it at that. <laughs> okay, you're not ready yeah. to come back yet, huh? <laughs> I was no, going to suggest, I, coach, about a billion dollars, and that'd be your agent, <laughs> so that that's right. I can negotiate the contract. Well, you know, the thing we said is that uh, nobody's taking a chance to play your style anymore. If you came back and played that style, you, you might win another national championship because nobody ever sees it, right? Well, that, well, you know what? I keep I keep trying to influence other coaches to to do something that everybody else 
just not do it. And I mean, uh, to me, predictability is the name of the game, too. If you, if you do the same thing all the time, why do, I, why do I have to prepare for you? I don't have to prepare for you because if I prepare for that one team, I'm preparing for everybody in the United States. <laughs> it's just one team. And, 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 and whether he goes left or right or he's falling back or falling down, they're still running the same thing. And mm. so, I, you know, I, I watch it and I'm, I'm saying, man, I'm, I'm glad that uh, I'm, I'm just happy that my years are over and I got away with something that maybe they can't get away with anymore. I got away with just out working and doing some things. And I mean, I didn't win every basketball game, but I won my share. And, and, and that was, that was uh, uh, something that I enjoyed. And when I stopped and smelled the roses, I said, hey, I, uh, I was able to win a junior college championship and go undefeated. I was never heard of a junior college coach going undefeated come out of high school. But I didn't play like everybody in the junior college. I played mm-hmm. so different. And they had to prepare for me. And you don't have a lot of time to prepare for me. But I don't have to worry about preparing for you because you, everybody played like you. <laughs> that, that's one of the things that I remember the most of, of in, in the coaching profession is that the element of surprise is that, you know, we didn't press all the time. Everybody thinks we did. But that's something we put in their minds and in their heads. There was games, there was, we'd go three, four, five games without ever having pressure, full-court pressure defense. It depends on what, how, you know, what, what size of the kids that I have that year. One of my smaller teams, we're trying to get more steals. So they press more. The bigger teams, they didn't press as much. Uh, but we played defense regardless. And that's why the 40 minutes of hell was always the name of the game. But when we started it, it was hog dog. And as, as time evolved, it got to be 40 minutes of hell. And that means that we're going to play on both ends of the floor as hard as we can for 40 minutes. That's what it means. And it was very, very successful, mm-hmm. to say the least. Right. All right, uh, Coach, this from Mitch, by way of our Asher Record Service Company live in feedback he said, I remember when Coach was asked by a reporter how deep Al Dillard's range was. I wonder if he remembers his response. He said, I don't know, but you better guard him when he gets off the bus. That's what I told him. <laughs> yeah, when you get off the bus, boy, he's in range. <laughs> he's in range. Uh, for accuracy, yeah, you know, I'm sure there's guys that can shoot the three yeah. – from the standpoint, uh, from the three-point line, but for accuracy from further out than the three-point line, much further than the three-point line. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't seen anyone without being that size to shoot the ball with his wrist that easy. I mean, he, he, he was a wrist shooter, and, God, he could just flip it uh, from his long range. And, uh, uh, I, I, and when I first when I first was working him in practice. I saw him shooting that deep. I saw he'd never take one of those in a game. I'll run his little butt out of here. <laughs> and and for, I'll never forget, he shot about a 50-footer. And I said, and I was jumping up, getting ready to take him on, and it was nothing but net. And I, all I would say, hey, good shot, baby. Good shot. Yeah, I mean, get it on. <laughs> you know? 
And, you know, once I gave him, I guess, the okay, he felt, you know, it's amazing how you can, can have a, the screws on a kid and not really know it. You know, once he knew and figured out that I let him go ahead and let him fly, I think he it relaxed and, and he was able to, to just shoot in, you know, shoot shoot the ball when he thought he was ready to shoot. He's the only guy I didn't mind shooting it when he thought he was ready. The rest of them I wanted to be ready. But with him, let him have, let him do what he can do, and if he ain't doing it, come on, sit down and help me coach. You know, Al maybe wasn't quite as good defensively as Beck and McDaniel were, but when you can score like that, it's okay. You can play, right? Absolutely, Rick. You you, you know the thing that about Al Al was such a uh, straight up person. He came to me one day and he said, Coach. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure I'm doing good. I said, "What do you mean?" He says, "Beck and 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 uh, McDaniel, they're killing, they're killing me. I, I, they're killing me." <laughs> well, well, you know, fight back, Hoss. That's all you can do. Do you know he he, he credited? He says, "If it wasn't for them two guys, I wouldn't be able to play. They beat me up every day, coach. Every day." It wasn't a day that they didn't take turns whipping me. <laughs> I said, you were there whipping both? He said, yes, Lord, yes. I didn't want to quit the team because of the games we had to play. I wanted to quit the team to keep away from that kind of effect. <laughs> Made it easy for him in the game. He was his boy. Now, speaking of his range, I, I, don't, I don't know if you saw this the other night, if you ever watched any women's games. Did you see the end of the Arkansas-Vanderbilt game, women's game? Where, I did. Oh, so you saw, was that amazing? Vanderbilt girl, I'm, I'm going to guess that was about a, about a 30-footer, and then the Arkansas player hit about a 35- or 40-footer to win the game. That, that's amazing, wasn't it? That, oh, man, I, yeah, I saw that. I said, God, I, I never, I've never seen it in all – all the years I've seen and, and coach basketball, I've never seen nothing like that. That beat girls hitting shots or male or male hitting shots back to back like that. Yeah, and you know what yeah. was funny when you watch the video of it, when the Vanderbilt girl hits hers, it ties the game, and their whole bench jumps up, excited, jumping up and down. Hmm. Five seconds later, the Arkansas bench is jumping up and down. It, that, that's, <laughs> that's the emotion that's of sports. Yeah, there is a great picture, and it's online because obviously, at least in this part of the state, we only get the Sunday paper in print. But uh, online, there is a great picture of uh, the shot being taken, and then the celebration that's starting. The players coming off the bench, and and uh, oh, I mean, it is it is a great, great shot and uh, great picture. That'd be one to frame right there, Coach. Absolutely. Well, <clears throat> you can't just depend on three-point uh, field goals. And, you know, Nolan, there's a – is shooting 10 to 12-foot jumpers a lost art in college basketball today? It is. <laughs> I mean, they – everybody – it's amazing how they – and they're shooting, and you know you you, you got to give some of the kids credit that they they can shoot that that shot. Some of them right at his line. Some of them can go a little even a little deeper out and shoot it. But I, I'm not sure you can base your your offense 
off of your three points. I mean, there's teams that are, you know have won games by double digits and and had one three pointer made. Uh, I think it, it still is still to me the game. It's it's great. It's even better if you have some guys that can shoot. It makes the game a lot easier, and it makes you be able to cover defensively sometimes easier. But if you've got guys just shooting threes and, and, and not coming, not any connection, pretty soon your defense gets tired of working so hard constantly to try to give you back some kind of game, and that's that's what happens when you're going down the stretch and you and you get out, you run out of air, you run out. You know, you, you've given it all, you've given it all, you've gotten that, but you just don't have enough to get over the hump. And 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 then you're relying on shooting those threes, and they're not falling. So, so you know, again, I, I wasn't one of the great believers of the three-point when they first brought it, brought it in to the game. But as time went on, I enjoyed it more because it lets the, it, it puts the little man back in the game. And the little guy was out of the game for a while until the three-point line came. And usually we were recruiting aircraft carriers. I mean, 6'11", 6'10", 6'9". And, and the, the little guy was almost out of the game. But when they put the three-point game shot in, that's when – when it, they, the, the small guys emerged again. Well, look what's happening, though. The big guys that are 7'1", 6'7", 6'11", they're shooting threes now. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, right. <laughs> so look Kevin Garnett is amazing. I'm Kevin Garnett. Yeah. All right, Coach, we've got to take a break. We've got to step away for a moment. Rick Schaefer, I'm Randy Rainwater. The coach, Nolan Richardson, thanks once again to Slim Chickens for making all this possible. Drive Time Sports, we'll wrap it up in a moment. Stay tuned. Drive Time Sports, here on the Buzz Radio Network. Rick Schaefer, I'm Randy Rainwater. Thanks again to Slim Chickens, who makes all this possible. It's time for Rolling with Nolan on Drive Time Sports with Coach Nolan Richardson. Brought to you by Slim Chickens. There's lots of places to get chicken, but there's only one Slim's. Serving Central Arkansas and now in Cabot. And let's talk with L.C. L.C., good afternoon. You have a question or comment for the coach. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Coach, I've only been to a couple of games up there at Bud Walton, but I was there the night that Al was hitting all those threes against Delaware State. Yeah. It was like 13. I don't yeah, know it was, it was hit, unbelievable. He hit quite a few in a row to get us back. You know, we were playing a team that we thought we were pretty much better than, but they were pretty good. Al came in, and he <laughs> went berserk. It was like one of the best moments of my life, man. And I just, and I'm the biggest Hawks fan in the world. But if you consider what he had to go up against, to your point earlier in practice against McDaniel right. and Beck, I mean, it was a vacation when he got out there on the on the floor. <laughs> oh, you're so right because he enjoyed games better than any player I have ever coached because he wanted to be out of practice. <laughs> Yeah, just get me off this bus so I can throw one up. Yeah, right? yeah. Let, let them be on my team. 
Man, we love you guys. Thank you so much for everything. Everything. Thank you. Thank you, LC. Uh, thank you. Well, Coach, uh, Coach okay. I was going to say, ahead. everybody might play the same style, but they don't always score at halftime. Texas A&M is leading Florida 23 to 12. 23 to 12 at half. Uh, Imagine that. They're going to have to start calling a lot more fouls so we get some more points on the board. (laughs) That's right. Get them to to the foul line. Maybe they can score that way. Yeah. Sometimes, I can't tell you who, but I was talking to the guy who said, boy, it's boring. It's boring. I said, well, you got to get used to it because that's how it's going to be played for a while. When everybody's doing the same thing, it's, it's going to be that way. <laughs> well, we call it self-check, you know. Yeah, half-time. Wow. Yeah. Coach, I've, 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 uh, I'm not trying to draw you into this debate, so we won't go there. But I will say I am begrudgingly I'm, – I'm, I'm, Trying not to put him on the exact same pedestal as the one and only Michael Jordan, but LeBron James, I got to admit, he is he is oh, about to cross some milestones that is simply amazing. He is 316 points away from breaking Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's all-time record. He wow. is ninth. Wow ninth all-time on the steals list. He should pass Clyde Drexler and move up to number eight this year. He is number 33 career-wise, NBA-wise, all-time, number 33 rebounds. He will likely overtake David Robinson tonight to claim number 32. He is number six all-time on the assist list list he should pass mark jackson and steve nash this year to reach number four right behind chris paul in fact it's realistic that james eventually passes the current number two jason kidd coach i gotta admit i mean i i have a different respect just reading those numbers uh involving lebron james i mean that is amazing well, and then you put that with all the NBA playoffs that he has taken those teams. You know, the teams for Cleveland, he was there. And, of course, he goes over <clears throat> Miami, and I think they wasn't he there. And yes. he's up at Lakers. Uh, I mean, he, he, he's, there's no question, no, no, no guy his size that has the quickness and the strength and the power that he plays with. It's, he's just an incredible athlete. He's a gift. Uh, you know, no matter how you look, slice it and dice it, he may be the best that ever played the game. Uh, and, and and as time goes, there might there will be some others that will come along and and, and, and probably be just as good or better. Uh, I, I, I think that's what happens. Because to me, back in my day, Oscar Robinson, no one could be yep. Yep. I think he averaged a triple double. Yeah, who, who does that? Yep. <laughs> you, know, uh-huh. you know, you just you keep going back and and you go up, and then there's Michael in there. And of course, I tell you what, if you check Bird's 
be amazed also. I mean, so there's such, such great players in the past, and there's great, great players that's now, and there'll be great, great players in the future. That and that isn't that the great thing about sports is you can get into debates about who's the best ever and who's the best of your decade and who's the best of all that. The great thing is that through the talent, obviously, that God gives people, there's always going to be more. There, there's yeah, never this right. time when nobody's any good. It, it, there's always great yeah. athletes. Isn't that wonderful? That is. And then that's what we got is, is how much time we got left on this earth to look forward to. Is that it, it, it ain't over until it's over. <laughs> <laughs> and it, that in, in sports seems to never happen. Well, Coach, that leads to this question from Piggy Smalls. He said, question for Nolan. Out of all your former players, who would you say had the most successful NBA career? Uh, you know, I, I would probably say, you know, not totally keeping up with each and every one, point for point, money for money, but the one that probably has last and done the Probably the most is Joe Johnson. Oh yeah, you know, and I think you know, Joe can still play right now. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, he was Joe playing, was playing when he was forty. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that that's what that that would be the guy that I would think about uh, of all the. And I, I didn't have as many as a lot of the coaches there. But I was very proud of the ones that I did that made it to the next level. Did you hate that you only had Joe Johnson for basically a year and a half? I mean, mm. there's a guy that if he'd have been there two and a half, three years, no telling what might have happened, right? You know, we, second semester of his first season and the second semester of his second season, that was it. You know, he didn't get to play two years, so, you know, like nope. a year and then a year. No, it was two semesters. The second semester of his first year, and his, and his first semester of, of the no second semester of his second year because he got hurt uh, playing with the twenty-two and and under, I believe, group of the USA team. So, yeah, Joe Joe was, was quite a quite a young man at a, at, a, at back in those days when they first started, you know, coming out, uh, but. You know, Corliss had a good career, I thought. It's just all the guys that got to play, you know, you know, with even with Daryl Walker and Sidney Moncrief, the Arkansas players. Um, for a small school with as, as many guys that got a chance to be uh, first-rounders, you know, it's really a remarkable feat in the University of Arkansas, what they can say and talk about with their, the players who played on the next level, you know. Uh, Boothead was one of my favorite players. Yeah. Uh, watching him play, I thought he was, in, he was incredible. His son was good, but I don't think <laughs> Booth had, had to be one of the best players I'd, I'd ever seen uh, in this part of the country. When he was playing, uh, oh, yeah. 
Yeah, that, I'm yeah. about out of time, but he had that one experience where he was playing on San Antonio and George Gervin was out for about a yeah. week. He replaced him and averaged about 38 points a game yeah. <laughs> because he got the chance. Yeah. yeah. Finally got a chance. Coach, it's been a pleasure as always. We look forward to next week. That is Coach Nolan Richardson. Roll with Nolan.